Hi, and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Julia Ewart, I am so excited to have you on the She's the Boss Chats podcast. I've got to remember to say the full name. (laughs) Hey, Jules. Hi. So, and I've known you now for any of our readers, I reckon, uh, readers, listeners, I reckon we've known each other for a year or so, would you say? Yeah. Uh, Something, maybe it's even longer. Yeah, I think we crossed paths paths initially a couple of years back and then nothing happened. We just, and then got back in touch. But yeah, maybe a couple of years. Yeah. So in all that time, I know what it is that you do, but I don't know very much about your journey. But let's start with what it is that you do for the people that are listening. What is it that you do? Tell us a bit about you and your business. Sure, Jules. So I am Julia Hewitt and I brand myself the negotiator, as you know, and I'm a sales extraordinaire. So um, I essentially help business, every business, the best way I explain it is every business spends money on marketing and the purpose of marketing is to get brand awareness and ideally bring in leads. And I'm in the business of getting every one of those leads and converting them into a sale by teaching people how to sell and implementing a sales process. Because if you can't convert those leads, you may as well take all the money that you've spent on marketing and just light it up at a pile of smoke. Oh, I love the way you explain it. And you're so right. You make a massive difference to, to um, business, the businesses that you work with, I'm sure. But why did you set it up? What well, was the sort of moment? Well, there probably wasn't a moment. I, um, I've had for about, I, I registered my ABN about 13 years ago. Thinking, oh, oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, while I was working corporate and I was studying at one point as well while working corporate. And I had people for years saying to me, Julia, just go it alone. Back yourself in. You've got enough IP, but it's a scary thing to obviously back yourself in and go it alone. And then I just had a few um, uh, stars line up um, about five years, nearly five years ago. And I thought it's now or never. And I backed myself in through my corporate job and um, I've been going at it since then. So what do you mean by stars lighting up? What does that mean? Oh, stars lining up. So I was working, cor- oh, no. I've, I've worked corporate um, for about 20 odd years um, in a range of roles. And, um, you know, to throw in your, your nice corporate cushy salary is like, yeah, that's yeah, like especially exactly. when you're working in corporate management, that's a, uh, you know, a big deal. Nice. Yep. So um, I just had a, I was, um, Oh, man, I don't know if you want to get into it now or later, but I had had a negative corporate experience, which um, didn't work out so great for me. Um, Right. I just, I've worked in a lot of male-dominated fields and um, often in management and uh, clearly female. But the the killer for me that I think um, has been that I have an opinion. (laughs) So, and <laughs> which, I think which that's you're not what, allowed to have in corporate. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Um, and I've always, I, I've often been a younger, I got started, I started getting promoted when I was quite young. So I've been thrown into management um, at a younger age. Um, but yeah, my last role, um, I just, I probably had the light bulb jewels where I realized I just don't belong here. I don't fit in corporate. So I thought uh, I'll just go it alone. Well, lucky for the rest of us, that's for sure. So, um, right, let's just go right back now to when you 
left school, I guess, and what your career path has been to bring you to here. And I'll just ask you questions as I as you go along because I'm incredibly nosy. But I think to me that's the really interesting thing about people is that, you know, we all kind of think, wow, look at the job that they've got or look at what they're doing and don't think about, you know, the journey that it's taken to get there. And I think that's the most interesting thing. So talk to me about, I don't know, finishing school and what you wanted to be when you grew up and how you've ended up here. Yeah, I had um, I had no idea what I wanted to do when I grew up. Um, um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an Olympic gymnast. That was always my dream. Oh, wow. Really? So did you do a lot of gymnastics? Oh, yeah, but I wasn't any good. Um, I was all right, but I wasn't great. I had an injury, so I had to stop before I could peak. But yeah, that's, we're not, I'm definitely not covering that. Oh, you can blame it on that. Otherwise you would have been an Olympic gymnast. Oh no, I, no, I wasn't that great in my brain, maybe (laughs) my mind. But, um, anyway, so that was what I wanted to do. But, um, I, um, I come from a background of a mum and dad who were, who were in the same job for effectively maybe 40 or 50 years. So, and, um, uneducated. So I felt pressure from no one but me to go to uni when I left school. And I think I pretty much did the same. Yeah, but I don't know why I did it. Um, And I was just unconscious. It was just the thing that was done. I felt like someone should fly the flag and I thought it should be me because my brothers weren't going to do it. And my parents couldn't have cared less. Um, How many brothers have you got? But I went to uni. I did Japanese at uni in Sydney when I was living in Sydney. And I dropped out after six months because it just wasn't for me. But where I started, um, I guess, working, I got a job in sales and hardcore sales. I was working for a direct sales company selling, wait for it, kitchen knives. Stop it. I sold custom toned kitchens over the phone when I was about the same age. Oh, I sold kitchen knives. (laughs) And um, good, great product, really great product. But um, great add-on product. They always add on a, you know, and and with a set of steak knives. So I know. I so this is like jokes. a classic cliche, right? So, <laughs> um, and it's interesting because I um, I was nine, eighteen or nineteen when I started working for them. Hardcore direct sales. So, yeah, proper proper multi-level marketing um, at, yep. in every way, shape, and form. American was this? Uh, was it phone sales or was no, it in in-home sales? demonstrations? Wow. Okay. And I was quite good at it. And, um, and so, but what actually ended up happening in a spate of about two or three years, Jules, I started, so I threw in my job, I threw in my study at uni because I was making loads of money selling knives because the product was, okay. Yeah. Product was really good. Um, the company, which I didn't know yet, wasn't that great, but they, um, really took advantage of my enthusiasm and my attitude and so I ended up at um, 20 years old, running an office with two full-time receptionists and about 35 staff um, with an office lease um, in Canberra, all on my own, yeah. with no backing. And back then, everyone got paid in checks. So, um, and I didn't know how Hang to go. Is this, so this was your, was your own business that you set up at 20? Well, yes. Part, oh of, this, part of this knife selling company, right? They were called um, Cutco. Right. I don't know people out there, but anyway... Anyway, so it, the, the product was great. Nothing wrong with the product. I still use the product, in fact. But the right. they took advantage of me as a um, I had no business skills. So what ended up happening is when I was about twenty one, I ended up in hospital with a uh, almost a whether it was a nervous break and I don't know what it was, but I was in debt because I didn't know how to balance a checkbook. Yeah, right. Oh. Dean K, which 
Um, it's, it's today massive is the equivalent of like $8.2 billion. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> I get it. Um, so, but yeah, 15K, you know, 25 years ago, um, a lot of money. And so, so um, my dad, who was a banker, said to me, um, this is the very short version, obviously, said, um, you're going to have to file for bankruptcy to get out of this. I said, I don't, what, what is that? And oh so he explained God. and I said, I, I will not do that. So what I did was I wrote letters hand, you know, I wrote a letter, proper handwritten yeah. letter With a to pen. the office lease uh, company, the electricity company, the phone company, the power company, the, oh God, whoever else I owed money to. And I, and I basically said along the lines of, please don't sue me. I will pay you off $5 at a time, but please don't sue me. And like it ended up being something, um, you know, I owed this company three grand, that company two grand. And these are Companies that wouldn't have cared less than my two and three grand, but I didn't know that at the time. So I wrote letters. Yeah. Uh, I obviously left that company because I, I just the stress of not knowing how to get out of that it mess. It sounds hideous. <laughs> yes. And I got my first proper real job um, at about 22 or 23 years old working for a, um, a really big global company. But hang on, let's just go back. How did you pay it off? Um, because I had something similar happen to I got me, a, but it was I got a, a much smaller job. amount. And then I right. used that money, my salary, to pay it off. So first couple of years, salary, pretty much all of it or half of it or everything you didn't need went to paying off debts. It's a hard lesson to learn, isn't it? But it's probably a good lesson in some ways yeah. for and the rest so, of your life. Yeah, and that's a lot of debt to be in it at someone that age. And um, yeah. and I didn't understand. I had no idea how to run a business. Not a clue. Yeah. Um, money was coming in. I didn't even understand money coming in should be more than what goes out. I, I knew nothing right. about anything. Yeah. And so um, so I did get a job, as I said, and I used that salary to pay everything off. And two oh, years good, later, good woman. I bought a house. Yeah. 18 months after wow. that, I bought another house. Two years after that, I bought another house. And by the time I was 30, I had five houses. Wow, you're amazing. I am so glad you, I've asked you this story. I was not expecting that. Right. So you went from at 20 being in debt to learning obviously how to save a lot of money. And once you paid it off, you kept going and bought houses. Yeah. And what's really interesting is that I'm not a, um, a materialistic person. So I don't drive a fancy car. Um, I don't. Or any of that. Yeah. It's, um, it was important to me at one point when I actually had no money even though I didn't drive fancy cars. But now that yeah. I'm um, 42, um, I've got, I'm married with kids, got a nice, uh, we live in a nice house, um, but I'm not materialistic. So um, when I was investing in all this property, mum and dad, who were just typical Aussie parents, yeah, they said, why are you doing all this? What are you going to do with it? And in short, it's the same reason I, I stand by today. Um or probably no, I don't know if it's the same reason, Jules, but the the core of why I did it, I understand. Yeah. So when I was growing up at school, I was bullied through school for a whole host of reasons. And people told me I was a loser and I would amount to nothing. So for me, there was something in going, man, I've got five houses. And I wouldn't tell yeah, anybody. Exactly. I didn't tell anybody. But there was something right. in myself that validated no, you're not a loser and you will amount to something. And I don't, I, I still, the part of it, there's still a part that doesn't make sense because why did I need that really? No, but what's really interesting to me as well is that it obviously gave you a sense of security, but it wasn't something that you were telling everyone about. I mean, you said it was kind of secret. So it was just for you to know that you had 
that stability and that ability to go fuck you to those people who'd been bullying you yeah, without, without actually telling them. I love that. That's, oh, you're a very interesting woman. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that, that's, um, that's how I kind of, um, I guess that's the, the, the struggle story, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Great story. Yeah. And so where did you, so what was it from your career and then, which obviously was in sales, but where did you become the negotiator? Like at what stage did you go, wow, it's not about actually selling. It's more, much more about making this and I know because I've done a bit with you that with you, it's not really about selling, which is one of the things I love. It's selling by just having a conversation. And at the end of it, yeah. the way you teach, people kind of go, wow, you're amazing. So what can I buy from you? I mean, it's a cr- really yeah. strange way of doing it. Yeah, but it's so brilliant. I guess that to make the link, I, I worked for a lot of corporate companies, um, global companies. I moved around Australia quite a lot. Um, I love change. As the sales manager? Yeah. So in sales and sales leadership, I love change by nature. I love moving the furniture around. I love changing house. I love moving states. <laughs> I love change. Um, so I yep. moved around a lot. Um, yeah. And so um, I had worked in various roles, but um, to kind of go back before I go forwards, I was getting promoted a, a lot and right. I ended up in some, some good sales leadership roles for some great companies um, and that gave me more opportunities. And I worked out at a, at a while, I'm actually quite good at sales and it's not for the reasons people think because people always think, oh, you can talk a lot, you should go in sales. Um, and I <laughs> agree. Do say that. And I agree. I can talk to a tree. So <laughs> yeah, underwater, as they say. <laughs> but and it's not the reason people should go into sales. I started to really become good at it because I understood the psychology of why people buy. And I had a pivotal moment where I was working in a huge company, Mars Confectionery. So they make Mars oh, bars, yeah. M and M's. You know, world's one of the world's largest privately owned companies. And I got taught a question that forever shaped how I started talking to people. And this sales manager that I had at the time, he taught me the question, when you've sold something to somebody yeah. and you are revisiting the conversation with them and they say, oh, I really liked that. Ask them, what do you think? What did you like about it? Wow. Yeah. yeah. And what I started to find is people then started selling it to themselves. So one question that I now ask people when I cross paths with them is, um, why do you think I might be the right person to help you here? And they say things like, well, I've seen your profile. I've seen what you do. I know so-and-so mentioned this. And they start selling you to themselves. (laughs) Right. And and I always say the best way to sell to somebody is when people don't feel like they're being sold to because no no one likes that, right? So yeah. that was a pivotal moment, but that was way early in my 20s. And I started to really started to tap into why people buy and understanding the power of words, which is what negotiation right. is. And the definition of negotiating is just a discussion aimed at reaching agreement. Right. So I started working out how is it that you can use your words to influence people, not manipulate, and I want to be really clear on that, Um, It's about influencing and reaching agreement. And I started to influence in different roles I was in, whether it was things like meeting outcomes or deadlines or KPIs or price negotiation. And then through... So at this stage, are you just testing the theory 
Like yep. are you just kind of just, like, I'm going to just put it out there and see what happens? Yep. And I'm doing this on my nice corporate salary, right, while I have the security of <laughs> yes. someone else doing it, right? So it's a social experiment someone else is paying for. Um, but at Love the same it. time, it was working. So I was adding value to all the companies. And yep. when all these companies found out this was a skill that I had, they actually had me do this as, a, as an extension of my role. So it did work for everybody. Um, yeah. And then eventually, about four years ago, I just thought this is it. I, I, I want to do this. And so I started teaching sales in a different way. So and let's go back. So you've come from corporate. You um, decide that you're going to go out on your own. How, do you, how did you even set it up? Well, obviously you had business skills. Oh, Jules, I started up really complicated. I just registered an ABN about 13 years ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you had the ABN, but that doesn't tell you how to find the clients. No. How but to I, um, run a business. Yeah. So I... Um, I did some passive work for some people over the years while I was still working corporate. And um, and I had a couple of companies about four or five years ago that I just knew that they would take me on as a consultant. And I had one, one company who I'd worked for previously who had said to me, if you were consulting, or, they said, no, would you come back to us and work with us again? And I actually said, um, no, I wouldn't. But it was purely because I'd become really great friends with these people and I didn't want no, no salary was worth the friendship, so I said that right. I would want nothing to get in, in the way of that. So I'm respectfully uh, I would not. <laughs> but they said, okay, well, would you consult to us? So I said that I could do, but put someone in the middle so I'm liaising with them instead. And that was probably my first client, and who I still do work for today. And um, then it just started to. Um, my eyes were open for opportunities. And when you start out in business, you know, I think you and I were talking about this yesterday. You start out thinking, well, I can be everything to everybody. So. Oh, well, that's right. Any business that had an ABN, <laughs> that was, I thought, oh, I can help them in sales. But then eventually I had the hard lesson of you need to pick a lane. Um, well, what was the hard lesson? Can you tell me? Oh, because you don't, I believe you don't get any business when you try and be everything to everybody. It's too hard. No, that's right. That's right, because nobody thinks that you, you're special yeah, to them right. and, and that you understand their industry. Yeah, and so I always say, you know, you've heard me say it before, a confused mind always says no. And yeah. if you are not easy to buy from, you are therefore confusing and people don't buy from you. So, um, and I, I had done a lot of work in um, uh, one particular industry, which I'd met a lot of people through. So I was doing a lot of work in that sector, which is building, construction, property and real estate. Right. And then I... Which is actually a really good sector to get into when it comes to sales because there's such a, a need for it, I guess, in those. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, so I, I have made some good contacts and, and done some work in that sort of space. But um, in the last maybe six or 12 months, I've started working with a couple of business organisations in terms of um, um, not quite networking, but just getting into business groups, which has exposed me to a whole range of different industries who now hire me to do what I do. Right. So a lot of them are now professional services, consultants, coaches. Oh, gosh, I've got a whole range of different clients now because we all sell something. Everyone sells Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's a, it's a pretty good industry for you to be in, I would have to say, especially when you're as excellent as you are because it just everyone will, will want you. But so what's your goal? I mean, are you going to continue continue as a single consultant or is there a is there a sort of a corporation in your future well my my goal is always um I'm, i always say in my mind and out loud i'm building an empire 
That's right. That's what I want to do. And my very specific goal um, is I want to retire my husband. So, which so, is amazing. So, what do you mean by that? So, what? What? Tell everyone what he does first, yeah, and uh, and yeah. why. So, um, I live in Perth with my fabulous husband Brad, and we've got two little kids. Uh, we have a four-year-old and a five-year-old. We also have a dog, Jackson the Wonder Dog. That's his actual name, and um, <laughs> and um, my husband. So, we have no family here to help with the uh, the kids. And where my are husband, you both from? Where are you both from? I'm from Australia? Sydney, um, but I've lived all over. And Brad's from Melbourne, but he's been here 20 years. So right, we, okay. we love Perth, though. And um, yep. so he's a FIFO worker. So for those playing at home, uh, FIFO is uh, fly in, fly out. So he works in the mining sector here. He's a geologist, uh, highly experienced, highly educated. But what it means is um, in summer where he works, he is out in the field, not in an office, in 55 degree heat for 12 hours a day and that's outrageous. I don't know how anyone even, how do you even stand up in 55 degrees, never mind work? It's insane. That's the thing in mining over here, it's all about production, production, production. So um, um, they like to think it's about the safety of their people, which it is, but that's not. So anyway, so I don't want him to do that anymore and nor does he want to do it. So my goal is I've got the, uh, the silver bullet and yep. I'm going to build my empire, and then he can um, he can retire, or do what Love he wants. It. And so this will yeah. be this this current financial year will be the last year he works. And you have made that happen, and that must be so such a great feeling but, for both of you as well. But I mean, and of course it will it will help you because if he's home, what 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 does it? Is it two oh, weeks? Oh yeah, on, sorry. Two so weeks I off, forgot or? the crucial part actually. The, <laughs> the whole reason for doing this. So he works FIFO, which means he flies to work. So he is away every second week for a whole week. So what right. that means is he is away twenty six weeks of the year. But it also means he's home 26 weeks of the year, which is more than any dad, essentially. So, yeah, um, true. so it makes, and I always joke and say, no one gets gastro in our house when um, my husband's home. Everyone gets it when he's away. So. <laughs> oh, well, which leads me into how do you cope when you're trying to grow this business and you've got two very young kids Yeah, and he's not around so, and you've got no family. Um, I mean, how's it, how, what's the juggle been? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, you know, as a, as a former gymnast, we always go for maximum degree of difficulty. So that's what I'm applying in my professional life as well. I'm going for maximum degree of difficulty. Um, so, um, so, yeah, so Brad is home every second week for a whole week. So the week he's home. So he flew in, what is it now? It's Saturday. So he flew in on Thursday night. He got home about quarter to 11. Um, so he's now on duty while I'm working. So when he is home, I'm punching out 12 hours a day and some. Right, and twelve I, hours a day. Yeah, I so I so I was online. So I, um, I'm always online about five five thirty in the morning. Um, wow, there's stuff to do, Jules. You can't run a business well, by doing Julia, not much. I have no. I was going to say building an empire you can't do while you're lying in bed. However, yeah, that is some pretty serious hours to be putting in. Yeah, so I'm probably doing that um, while he's home. I do that, and so he flies out on a Thursday afternoon, and um, we literally throw the kids in the car and go to the airport at three o'clock, and I'm wrapping up meetings at quarter to three. So I'm going hell for leather while he's home because when he's away. I'm then limited to 5am to probably 6.30 or so before the kids wake up. Yeah. Um, and then I've got one who's at school five days a week, but I've on, then I've got one who's at school only three days a week. So she's at home with me two days a week and we just do 
family stuff. So I try yeah, not right. to work um, while I'm with her. But then my kids go to bed I see. at so 6.30. Yeah, that's hard. yeah, so my kids go to bed about 6.30. And then yep. the sec- I don't watch TV. Um, I don't, I'm not on social media. So my, my goal is that I only do things. Like I've got a limited window to work. So yeah. I'm not wasting it with watching TV or scrolling through Facebook. I don't have oh the Oh, my um, God, you're capacity. so disciplined. Yeah, I am. I know that. But I'm, I'm pretty serious well, I about what I want to do. So I was going to say I have absolutely no doubt at all, like not even an iota, that you won't get there. Not with that kind of drive. That's amazing. But I say to my so, husband every time I get paid, this is free money. And he says, it's not free money. And I say, it's free money because I am getting paid for my hobby. I just feel like it's free yeah. money. So Yeah, that's true. I mean if you if you and the beauty of working for yourself is if you do something that you love, there is that aspect of, you know, whether I was paid or not, I'd be doing this because I, I love it. I can't get enough of it. It's my hobby. It's the thing I'm most interested in. So Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. All right. So, um Along the journey, and I'm sure over the last four years there have been loads of ups and downs because they're normally – well, I, I shouldn't say I am I know, but I would imagine that there have been. Have there been some pivotal moments in terms of successes or challenges? You obviously had that one and, – and it's so weird you said that about what happened to you when you were um, 20 because almost exactly the same thing happened to me, but – 10% of your debt, but I did, sp- I did go and get a job and pay off a $1,500 debt at the age of sort of 19 huh, or 20 because I'd set up my own business and I made some very bad decisions and got kind of ripped off. Um, and I do also think it's a measure of the person that you are that you didn't write it off because you could have just gone to those companies and said, I'm so sorry, I'm only 20 and I just can't pay you. Didn't occur and to me. let that go. It actually that did was not never occur to me consider- that that was an option. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So anyway, along the way, in terms of things that you've learned that might be useful to other women in business, um, have there been any sort of challenges you could share with us? Yeah, um, let me think. Well, yes, there's definitely challenges. And I think that the the biggest challenge in business, which is, um, and I think you just get better at managing it as you go, is um, I I talk about the three balls, right? Every business likes to do their product or service. That's what they stand for, right? Yeah. And I guess it kind of brings into sales without – it's hard to talk about sales without – yeah, let me just – No, just say it. Yeah, so um, every business has three things they, they need to be able to do. Service their current clients. Yep. Or uh, whoever – yeah, service their current clients, work out who's coming next and the ones that are maybe yep. three, six, nine, twelve months away. And those three balls, juggling those is a constant battle because everyone's great at servicing the business now. We can all do what's yep. in front of us. And we all kind of know, well, when I'm finished with this client or this customer, that's the next one. Or, But the difficult thing is it's the ones that are three and six months away. Yeah. And that's, the, that's the, the ball that is the hardest of any business to keep in the air because without that one, you have this constant up and down, up and down, up and down. But because I'm in sales, I do understand the value of that third ball. And as a result, um, I'm now fully booked for the next, what is it, next seven, eight, uh, next eight and a half weeks. I can't get to people for that because I'm only one person because of the family schedule. So what I've learned is that third ball, you've you've got to keep prospecting and talking to people because if you're not talking to people and you're not meeting people, you're not doing business. 
That is such good advice. And that is something that I see a lot. And I even can see sometimes in my partner that when you are busy and you're trying to look after those clients, you go, I have to deal with this now. I can't worry about sales. Um, I've got to just look after what I've got. I'm at capacity. And you go, but when this finishes... Yeah, what have what? you got in the pipeline? Where is where is the next lot going to come from? They go, doesn't I'm so busy, I can't deal with it now. It'll come, and of course, you then have this lull, which puts you every, most people anyway into a bit of a slump. Going, there's no customers. I don't know, yeah. and they don't realise it's a six month. Well, I always used to say it's a six month process to get people across the line. So you need to be thinking about those people six months ago or away yep. that are going to come in. So true. Yeah, that is. Really, really good advice for anyone in business to realise that you can't, you can't just serve, you can't do it in stops and starts, no, or otherwise you're going to have. And, and, and that's how... not, it's not sustainable to do stops and starts, and that's why a lot of businesses go broke because they can't manage that. So where I'm sitting now, I have a window in front of me, um, yeah, and I have. You'll probably laugh and roll your eyes, but I have KPIs that I set myself. Of course, I do. Uh, so, of course, you do. So for this quarter, um, I need to make fifty phone calls. And have 40 face-to-face meetings with people. And I just know if I have 50 phone calls and I get 40 meetings out of that, that will take care of the back end, that everything else will take care of itself. So is that your monthly target? Like I know that if I do that. It's my quarter target. Quarter. So, so, I mean, you know, Q1 now. So July, August, September. In these coming three months, I need to uh, have phone calls with 50 new people that I haven't spoken to before and ideally... I want 40 of those to turn into a meeting where they want to know more about what I do. And I just know I will convert a lot of those. But if I don't have those meetings or if those meetings drop off, I'm in a world of hurt. Right. Wow, you are so driven. I love it. (laughs) It's it's, it's exactly what we should all be doing. And yet you're living the life, which is... I'm in sales, right? So if I can't do this, no one should hire me. Yeah, well, you're walking the walk. I mean, it's, yeah, no, there's a, there are plenty of people out there, I think, that are perceived experts that actually aren't walking the walk. So I, I, I really admire you that you're doing it. So now along the way, just because this is a podcast for women in business, I do like to talk about, if possible, whether there have been any women in your entrepreneurial journey that stand out that really helped you. Because I feel like it's always nice to do a bit of a shout out for the women that have helped us because, you know, you hear a lot of cutthroat women out there who throw other women under the bus and what have you. You know, have there been people that have kind of lifted you up? Yeah. Do you know what? Can I share two perspectives to that, Jules? I'm going to share one of a woman who helped me a lot, who um, did be a massive disservice at the time. But the lessons I've learned from that led me to the woman who actually helped me a lot that did the good stuff. So I was working in one corporate... Right, okay, yeah, tell me the story. Yes, I was working in one corporate job um, and a senior role came available. um, And I just thought, just for fun, I'll just apply for it and see if I can get it. Um, I didn't want the job, but I thought that could be fun. That's a pretty big job. Challenge. Yeah, I just thought the challenge because I... I do love a job interview too, just quietly. (laughs) It's negotiating, right? So anyway, so I thought I'll just go through the process. Anyway, I went through the process and I did a presentation in my interview. It's funny, the panel, who all knew me already because I was internal, at the end of my presentation, they stood up and applauded me. And they said, that was amazing. Oh, you are amazing. And then anyway, and at the end they said to me, um, I said, do you have any reservations about putting me in this job? And the, the guy, the head guy at the time said, yeah, I do. He said, I don't think you want this job, Julia. 
I was like, oh, he's called me on oh, it. I wasn't expecting that. Yes, I wasn't. And he said to me, I don't think you want this. And I said, you're right. So anyway, um, he said, why are you here? I said, I wanted to see if I could get it. And he said to me, you could get this job. He said, but he said, you don't need this job. What, are you, what you will do, he said, you do not need this to where you need to, to, for where you want to go. So I actually withdrew my application and was happy in the job I was in. Anyway. Right. A woman started in that job six months later, and she said to me very early on, so I heard you wanted my job. I said, well, (laughs) not really. I kind of went through the process for the wrong reason, but I withdrew. I don't really want that job. I really like doing what I'm doing now. And she said to me, I want to let you know this is my job and you're not going to get it. And I said, oh, no, no, we're we're, we're cool. We are cool. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I said, plus, no one offered it to me. So it was never actually my job anyway. And she said to me, just so you know, Julia, between you and me, I'm going to make things very difficult for you. <gasps> she did not. Yeah. And um, the very short version is that she told the truth there. She, she did. And this is someone who wasn't my kind of person anyway. And yeah. I couldn't relate to her. And I was almost watching how she behaved from like an analytical point of view going, I don't get this. This is so foreign to me. So she helped me, Jules, the very short version is because that for me was someone handed to me on a platter of an example I never, ever want to be like. Yeah. So she did me a huge favor because there was a lot about her that I saw people found very attractive. Um, Not what I mean physically, but in terms of appealing. And I just thought, man, that is just not for me. So... When you ask me as the people that helped me, she helped me a lot. Um, That's a great story. She did. Yeah. <laughs> she and then sounds years awful. later, um, when I was still working in management, um, there was another woman who um, probably is someone who helped me significantly. Her name's Linda Grenfell, Melbourne woman. Amazing. Ah, oh, we love Melbourne women. Yes. And, um, and <laughs> when I was working corporate, because I'd started quite young, I really had no one to teach me how to be a manager or how to be a leader or what. So I got caught up working in with some um, pretty senior experienced people trying to work out what I had to do or who I had to be to be a manager. And I just never knew what I had to do or how I could, what, who I had to be. So I was, trying to, I was trying to play a part rather than just be me. Yeah. So Linda started um, as my manager in a company I worked with and I just couldn't believe that she was the most normal, natural person um, and how she was inside of work and outside of work. And in fact... So was that the first time you'd seen that? Like a woman who was authentic? Yep. To use a trendy word? Yep. Um, And just the way she conducted herself and the things she said were just so well-intended, it didn't matter that they were potentially offensive or um, it just wasn't even on the table. And she showed me... It was like a neon light. You cannot be what you cannot see. What a great expression. I'm going to, I'm going to use that. And but I, you can't be what you can't since, see. True. I know. And that, 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 so Linda and how she operated as a, as a leader and a manager and that phrase overhauled how I was overnight, Jules. Wow. I just thought, oh my God, I, I don't have to be like this because cause I'd never seen an example before, right, of what I had to do. And yeah. suddenly there was one. I thought, oh, I can just be that. And that is what I just need to do. And what I needed to do was just be me. And 
I overhauled and I'd started to get the most refreshing results and reviews and things that people are saying about me ever because you just cannot be what you cannot see. Right. I couldn't believe it. So wow. she she overhauled through doing nothing other than just doing what she did. <laughs> and obviously being supportive and, and, and nice as well. But but isn't that funny how and, and how long was this just before you went out on your own or was this when you were much younger? Oh uh, no, probably in the last ten years. Right. Yeah, I think there are and, and there's a it's the power of role modelling, I guess, really, what it comes yep. down to. And we hear about it as parents, but you often don't think about it in business, that you can really guide and help people if, you're, if you walk the walk. Yeah, absolutely. You're real. Yep. And it just wasn't even about that. It was just I'd never seen an example of what someone great looked like in that sort of capacity. And suddenly here they were again on a platter of the opposite woman who had taught me some lessons, right? And... I just thought, wow, this is actually easier than I, I wished I'd cross paths with. But, but then again, it's that whole phrase that I'm going to get this wrong. But when the when the student is ready, the teacher appears or the teacher appears, yes, whatever that is, I right? Think that's the saying. So yep, yep. even if I probably met her 15 years prior, maybe I wasn't ready. So it's all obviously about timing too. But the, the, how she appeared and where she showed up, I was obviously ready for the lesson. So, yeah. Yeah, wow. Well, that is about, I think that's the best story anyone's told me yet so oh, far wow. on the podcast around, around women who've helped them along the way. And I love that the woman who was a bitch basically also taught you because you're right. I mean, you do learn a lot from people like that, what not to be. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so my next question we've kind of touched on. I'll ask it again just in case there's anything you want to add about juggling your work and your life and the sorts of hours that you work because you have covered off most of that, but are you finding that, that that's sustainable, what you're doing at the moment, or is that what the whole reason for getting hubby home, I guess? Yeah, so the biggest limiter in my business is availability. I've got enough, so even if people that, you know, even yesterday, so yesterday was the first day Brad was home, so he was on duty yeah. I, with the kids, I was at work. I've got people that just want to talk with me to understand what I do and if I can help them, and I'm saying, I'm sorry, I can't get you to you for another seven weeks. I can't even fit in a... 45 minute conversation. So the biggest limiter for me is availability. So, um, so that is where I'm at right now, but yeah, I am, um, I guess by definition, I'm probably burning the candle at both ends, but as I said, it's my hobby. So if you love doing it, it doesn't feel that way. I just, the, the conscious thing for me, I need to be careful that I, I also want to be around for the kids and, you know, yeah, I've got a great situation. Say. My husband's home all the time. So well, I want to be... forced at the moment. Yeah, so, so, I so be, you do get that lovely time. Yeah, I want to hang out with my family, but I, I am always thinking, oh, when, when can I just get 10 more minutes? Can I just sneak away for like half an hour at my computer? So I've just got to check <laughs> myself because I, I just want to do more of it, which I don't know if that's what people want to hear, but it's... Well, I guess one of the things that I've learned, and I've really learned it a lot of it from the She's the Boss lunches, was, I don't know if you were there, but there was a time about, I don't know, a month ago... And we were towards the end of it and there were probably six or eight people left, uh, you know, and on a Zoom call, you're looking at all the photos. And for me, it was the whole top row. Every single woman talked about how they had burnt themselves out. Their body had broken down, basically, and they will never, ever be able to work in the way that they could before. And that was really profound for me. It was like, wow. And they were talking about, I used to work and fly and do this, that and the other. And then... 
you know, I got this immune disease or I got PTSD or I had a nervous breakdown and I thought, wow, you know, we do have to be careful of that as well because when it is your passion and you love it, you could do it 24-7. But And you've been really lucky in some ways because you're forced to take a week off every second week and yeah. spend that time with the kids. So, um, you know, I guess there, there are lessons in everything and we do love what we love, but, you know, we've also got to be careful that we don't that we look after ourselves. Yeah, that's that's a yeah, really good point. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you've been filled with so many great ones. Okay, so now we get to the fun stuff because we're near the end. So the first thing is, is there a quirky fact that most people don't know about you that you would be prepared to share? Oh, I always I have the same <laughs> two that I bang out all the time, Jules. That I I truly believe I missed my calling as a hostage negotiator, <laughs> and I can recite the alphabet backwards. Two very helpful, useful facts and things. Well, well, that's what I say. When I say quirky, I can do Mississippi backwards. Go on, do the alphabet backwards for me. Uh, Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T-S-R-Q-P-O-N-M-L-K-J-I-H-G-F-E-D-C-B-A. So why did you learn that? My dad bet me 20 cents I couldn't do it when I was about, (laughs) I don't know, 10. I was like, yeah, "Yeah, dad, I'll take, I see your 20 cents. Yeah. Yeah, I will. I'll take it. Thank you very much. That's brilliant. Okay, and now we're down to the really silly stuff um, because I'm just obsessed with my phone and I do almost all my business on my phone, all my social and everything. What are the two most useful apps on your – if you use your phone oh, at God, all? I, I, I you got... gonna, I'm dreading this question, Jules. I'm a very oh. late adopter of technology. <laughs> okay, so – I have a phone. So the... I use it. I'm not into apps. I, I don't have many apps because I'm on. I'm not on social media um, socially. I'm in a couple of business groups. I'm in your group and another business group. Um, but and that's yeah, it. I I need to get onto that bandwagon. <laughs> well, I mean, certainly from the point of view of sales and getting new leads, it might be a good idea just to to get out there and show your profile. But you're an incredibly busy woman, and at some stage, you've got to draw the line on something and go. And, and obviously, you haven't got that addiction. I, I had always used phones that didn't care about technology till I got my iPhone and discovered apps and really, uh, I'm, I'm a tragic. Yeah, well, it's not that I'm not <laughs> on say. them. Like, I mean, I am, so if I'm going to be obsessed with something, I hang out on LinkedIn. So whether that right. makes me like nerdy or I don't know, but that's where my people are. That's where I like to engage. So I'm on yep. social media for business. So I'm on LinkedIn. Um, but I don't have anything really techy that I can add any value to that part of that question, Vaughn. <laughs> Sorry. No, well, that's a, well, that is absolutely fine, and and it isn't for everyone, and that's for sure. But I I am a Scrabble player, so I love. There's one called Words with Friends. Oh yeah, yeah, my husband where you can play. Yeah, you can play people all around the world, and that's um, one of my fun things. And the other one is Candy Crush, which I don't even know how I so got onto old it. School and it's, jewels. It is. My kids are so embarrassed that I still do it. It's so funny because they're like, Mom, don't tell people. And I'm like up to level 3000 or something. Wow, you're amazing. <laughs> I know, but I've, but I've never known. I've never, ever done. I don't do any and have never done any computer games or anything. But I started this and the trap with it is that they seem to put out a thousand new levels every year. And so I'd say that there's probably 10,000 levels now. So they'll, you'll never get off it. Like they're clever. Part of the, part of the formula, right? They're on a winning thing with that. Yeah, I'm sure there's um, a learning to be made out of that. Well, listen, Jules, you have been amazing. I've loved everything that you've said. It's been so interesting. Um, So thank you very much. Now, if people want to get hold of you, 
and I know that they could Google you as well, but is there a web address or a particular way that you like people to get hold of you? Yeah, I, I just hang out in two places. You can find my website, um, Jules, which is um, juliahewitt.com, uh, yep. which is, uh, I spell my surname because everyone gets it wrong. It's E-W-E-R-T, so juliahewitt.com, yep. or you can find me, Julia Hewitt, the negotiator on uh, LinkedIn. Yes. Well, brilliant. Thank you so much. I think people will really, really enjoy this episode. Oh, thanks, Jules. I felt um, I feel humbled to be interviewed by you. I've been listening and you've got people with great stories. So I, I, really, I felt nervous coming along today. <laughs> really? Well, I reckon you're one of the best. So oh, there you go. God, stop it. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this She's the Boss chat episode. It was great to have you here. If you want to stay in touch, you might also like some of the other things that we've got going on with She's the Boss. Firstly, I've got the She's the Boss show, which is on Ticker TV. Now, you can watch that either on tickertv.com.au or you can download the Ticker app from any of the app stores. So Apple and Android, and they've got an app that is for your phone, for your iPad or tablet, and for the smart TV. Or you could join us for our free Zoom lunches for female founders that we hold online. The best way to do any of these things really is go to she'sthebossscomau and on there you can register for the lunches and I've also got links to the website. So either way, I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm really enjoying digging down and getting down to the nitty gritty with these women and I hope you'll join me for the next episode. 